Well, good morning. Welcome. It's good to see everyone. Uh, we're in a new series titled Inside Out Way of Jesus, kind of our preparation next three weeks before Easter. Uh, today's topic is Broken to Be Whole. And many of you know my wife was on a mission trip this past week and she's back, so maybe by next week she'll have some pictures and stuff to share with us. And uh, uh, she had a great time, so thank you for your prayers and support for her. So I thought we'd have a little fun here at the beginning. <laughs> And this comes from an article titled, Your Mom Lied to You. Now, your mom didn't lie to you on purpose. These are things your mom thought were true. They just didn't happen to be true. And I want you all to play along. Let me see. This is kind of a different generation than the first service. And I'm curious to see if we've been passing these things on to our kids. So here's the first one. When you have a bobo or injury, you need to put some hydrogen peroxide on that. How many of your mom told you that? Okay, that bubbly stuff. Now, I always liked it because alcohol burned, but the hydrogen peroxide didn't hurt. So I always liked it when they put that on there. The problem is uh, medical science tells us that it actually doesn't help. It actually harms (laughs) your cells, and it actually takes you longer to heal. So thanks, Mom, right? Uh, Put the hydrogen peroxide on it. All right, here's the next one. Uh, Cracking your knuckles will give you arthritis. How many of you heard that one? All right. A lot of people. Wow, I'm surprised about that one. Um, There's actually a doctor in California that wanted to test this out. So for 60 years, he cracked the knuckles on one hand and not on the other hand. And his conclusion was there was no difference. All right. Um, So I thought I would set you all free this morning. So I'm going to give you permission. I know some of you are legalists and you still believe your mom, but, you know, I want you to break through that this morning. (laughs) So at the count of three, I want us all to crack our knuckles, all right? So get ready. One, two, three. All right. Didn't that feel good? Be set free from that? No arthritis is a problem, right? Now, research tells us the biggest problem with cracking your knuckles is annoys the people around you, right? <laughs> but that's, that's the only problem with that. All right, one more. Don't swallow your gum. It'll take seven years to digest. How many heard that? <laughs> Man, we are passing this on to the next generation, aren't we? Okay, well, obviously, research tells us that it doesn't take any longer for gum. So when you're chewing it, when you chew something, you want to swallow it, right? So go ahead and just set yourself free and swallow that gum, Okay. Uh, if you Google this, they like to tell you a lot of things that, that actually are true that are kind of like these wives' tales, like an apple day keeps the doctor away. Not technically, but fruit's obviously good for you. Carrots are good for your eyesight. Chicken soup can't cure a cold, but it helps with the symptoms. My favorite one is uh, red sky in the morning, sailor's warning, red sky at night, sailor's delight. That's actually, meteorologists tell us it has something to do with the moisture content in the air, and that's actually true. But we believed these things when we were kids. Why? Because our mom told us, right? Just like Santa Claus and all those other things, right? It's a tooth fairy. We believed it just because they're true. Now, these aren't that important. But what if? What if you and I accepted some things that have much more significant implication? Now, Jesus, when he was walking here on earth, he spent uh, a lot of his time in his teaching, I would call debunking the myths of his generation. He would say, you know, you've been told this, but I'm going to tell you this. You know, you've, you under, you've been told this, you understand this, but it's actually, this is really how it is. So I got to thinking about some examples from my own life. So I started attending a church, a Baptist church when I was a teenager. And uh, in the back, to, back of our hymnal, Roy, you, you'll remember this, there was a 
church covenant. And in that church covenant, it said you can't buy, sell, touch, or drink alcoholic beverages. All right, that, that's what it said. And so that's what I grew up believing. All right, so then I got to become a pastor, and I started reading my Bible, and, and you know, Jesus drank wine. I'm kind of, kind of trying to figure this, figure this thing out. And it doesn't really say that you shouldn't drink wine. You shouldn't get drunk, right? So uh, that was kind of a myth. Another myth I, I heard from my pastor when I was in college was the, that this thing of speaking in tongues, uh, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13 that says the tongues shall cease. And so he said tongues had ceased, and there shouldn't be tongues anymore. So then I got to reading the Bible, and there's all this instruction about what to do and not to do with speaking in tongues, and, and I got to know people who spoke in, spoke in tongues, even though I didn't speak in tongues, and I think, uh, I, I think that's a myth. I think uh, that, that it's a gift. The Bible describes it as a gift. Kind of most recently, I think it's one of the myths is this. You have to be a Republican if you're a Christian, right? Isn't that the impression you get? Yeah, uh, these are just myths. These are, and, and so... We, we believe things that, that aren't necessarily true, and some of these things have deeper implications, as we're going to see today. But the church in Jesus' day, and even the church today, was all about appearances, about the outside, the way we look and things look. So I kind of try to summarize it on the outline this way. Jesus would say to us, I know you've been taught it's all about what's on the outside. That's not what it's about. It's all about what's on the inside. Now, why is it what's all, all about what's on the inside? Because <laughs> it's all, what's on the inside that comes out. If I have a glass of water and I shake it, what comes out? Does Coke come out? Coke doesn't come out because there's not Coke inside. And so when you and I are shaking, our lives start to get disrupted. What comes out? Well, obviously, what's on the inside. So God says, you look at the outward appearance. God says, I look at the what? Uh, in, the heart. He uses the term heart. So in Jesus' day, in the temple, it was all about appearances. You had to dress, dress right to come to the temple. Uh, you had to have a smile on your face. And of course, appropriately look uh, uh, sad when you talked about your sin. And, and you certainly didn't discuss, you weren't free to discuss your struggles in the temple. Now, it's not like that anymore today, right? <laughs> it was funny. We had a lady visit our church last week. She said, and she told John, I'm looking for a church where you don't have to dress up. And I said, ah, I think she found the right place, right? <laughs> so, uh, what does Jesus want? Let me give you a couple things real quickly. First, he wants authentic worship. It's not about standing up at the right time and sitting down at the right time and singing the, singing the songs and, and uh, <clears throat> going through the rituals. It's about authentic worship. He also wants an intimate relationship. He doesn't want us to put on appearances, want to put on a front. He doesn't want us... To, to act like everything's all together when it's not. And then the third one is what I want to talk to you about today is brokenness. Jesus wants brokenness. Now the problem with brokenness is you probably don't want to put this on your resume, do you? Uh, we're collecting resumes to get an assistant uh, intern for me. And uh, I don't know, a dozen, 15 of these resumes I looked at, I, I haven't seen brokenness anywhere on there. Now, we even ask them as follow-up questions, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And, and I always focus in on those weaknesses. I want to see how honest somebody is going to be about their struggles, about areas that, that, that they may, might need help with. And they're usually not very, very long list, and they're really not very uh, descriptive about that, but they do at least answer the questions. But we live in a, what's called a throwaway society, right? So when something gets broken, what do you do with it? You throw it away. Throw it away. Uh, 
one of the big reasons is it's almost all, often it's cheaper to buy something new than to, re, to, to get something replaced or fixed. Now, when I was growing up, when something broke, those of you who are in my generation, what did we do? We fixed it, right? We took it ourselves or found somebody else to fix it. But not anyway. We're in a throwaway society. So Jesus says, I want you to see the world and especially people through my eyes. And here's what I think Jesus will say. When Jesus looks at broken, he sees beautiful. Uh, William McDonald wrote it, th- described it this way in his book. Usually when something's broken, it value declines, right? <laughs> it disappears. Broken dishes, broken bottles, broken mirrors and are generally scrapped. But this isn't the way things work in the spiritual realm. All right, I understand that. Broken dish, I'm going to throw it away. But in the spiritual realm, the invisible realm, it doesn't work that way. God puts an actual premium on broken things, especially broken people. The title of the book is Lord, Break Me. So I want to share a story. You can read it for yourself if you want to in Luke chapter 7. Fascinating story from the life of Jesus. So a guy by the name of Simon, he's a, a religious leader, a Pharisee. He invites Jesus to his house. Now, evidently, he didn't really want to. He just felt like obligated to do this. And so Simon comes to his house. Now, when, when especially somebody like a rabbi, like Jesus, an important person, came to your house, there were certain things you did. At first, there was a greeting. We would say a handshake today. In their day, it would be a kiss on the cheek. But Simon doesn't kiss Jesus on the cheek. And then they reclined to eat. And in that day, you would supply water for either them to wash their feet or for your servant to wash their feet. But Simon didn't provide any water for Jesus' feet. And kind of a general honor was to provide olive oil to anoint the head. So these are three things that would normally be done. Simon doesn't do any of these things. And early on in the story, this lady walks in, and she's described as a sinful woman. Uh, That means she was a prostitute. Let's just be honest, okay? So this prostitute walks in. First thing was, she certainly wouldn't have been invited, right? And I'm always amazed when I read this story that they didn't throw her out. So she comes in, and she she gathers herself at Jesus' feet. Now, why would she show up? Evidently, somehow, she heard about Jesus, had some kind of encounter with Jesus, that she felt that this would be a safe place for her. Was it a safe place if Jesus wasn't there? No, 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 no. She would have been thrown out. And I, again, she wasn't thrown out. And she kneels at Jesus' feet. And I believe probably all the other guys there were probably not, wouldn't look at her, <laughs> looked away from her. But evidently, Jesus must have looked at her. And I like to think he, he smiled at her because then the tears started to flow. And they fell on Jesus' feet. And then she realized his feet had never been cleaned. So she lets her hair down. Now, folks, we don't really understand this in our culture. But letting your hair down, you, as a woman, you only did that in the privacy of your home with your husband. This was an act of intimacy. And she lets her hair down since evidently wasn't anything else. To, to, to dry Jesus' feet. And then she has this expensive perfume. She probably used it in her profession, maybe a drop at a time. But for Jesus, she pours out all the perfume. And so after this happens, Jesus turns to Simon and says, Hey, Simon, let me ask you a question. If somebody owes somebody $500 and somebody else owes them $50 and neither one can repay it, and the guy forgives the debt, 
Who's the most thankful? Who's the most appreciative? Uh, and Simon says, I guess the guy that got forgiven, you know, the $500 debt. And then so Jesus makes the application in case Simon didn't get it. He says, oh, Simon, you know, when I, I came in, you didn't give me a kiss on the cheek. Yet this woman came in and hasn't stopped kissing my feet. Simon, you didn't give me water to wash my feet. This lady here used her tears and to wash my feet and, and her hair to dry. And you didn't give me oil to anoint my head, but this lady has poured out this perfume on me. And then he says this, this woman, though her sins are great, he didn't say, you know, she was a good person. Oh, her sins are great, her sins are forgiven. I put a couple of verses on, on the outline. And she said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And then the people, the Pharisees really freak out, freak out. why? Because who's the only person who can forgive sin? God. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm God. And so they freak out about that, and then he turns to the woman and says this, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now, I'm going to prepare you. I'm going to ask you a trick question. All right, you ready? Here's the question. Who would you rather be in this story? Ugh. <laughs> Tough question, right? <laughs> the answer is we would like to be both, right? I'd like to be respectable and have it together on the outside, but I want to be somebody to experience the grace and love of God like this woman did, Right? The problem is it doesn't work that way. If you want to be made whole, you've got to be broken. You've got to be broken. If you want to know the grace and love and mercy of God, you've got to be broken. Now, here's the good news. We're all broken. We're all broken. Now, the funny thing about Simon, well, it's not very funny. The funny thing about Simon was he was a Pharisee. He knew the Old Testament backwards and forward. He knew of 300 prophecies about the Messiah, and the Messiah is in his house, and guess what? He missed it. He missed it. That's how broke Simon was. So I put this on the outline. The less you see it in yourself, probably the more you needed it. And nobody needed it more than Simon. So since we're all broke... What's the difference? Well, are we willing to admit our brokenness? Um, there's this lady who does TED Talks. She's pretty famous by name, Renee Brown. We looked at her, uh, we looked at empathy. And uh, <clears throat> she has this one TED Talk, 20-minute TED Talk, called Power of Vulnerability. I think at last count, some 15 million people have watched this TED Talk. So we can't take the time, or that would be all our time, to watch it. But I'm just going to give you the first minute and a half so you kind of get some sense of this lady's personality. And I encourage you to go home and, and watch it. So I'll start with this. A couple of years ago, an event planner called me because I was going to do a speaking event. And she called and she said, I'm really struggling with how to write about you on a little flyer. Well, I saw you speak, and I, 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 I'm going to call you a researcher, I think, but I'm afraid if I call you a researcher, no one will come because they'll think you're boring and irrelevant. <laughs> and I said, okay. She said, so the, the thing I like about your talk is, you know, you're a storyteller, so I think what I'll do is just call you a storyteller. And, of course, the academic, insecure part of me was like, you're going to call me a what? And she said, I'm going to call you a storyteller. And I was like, oh. Why not magic pixie? Um, <laughs> I was like, I, I don't, I, I, let me think about this for a second. And so I 
I had to call deep on my courage. And I thought, you know, I am a storyteller. I'm a qualitative researcher. I collect stories. That's what I do. And maybe stories are just data with a soul, you know? And maybe I'm just a storyteller. So I said, you know what? Why don't you just say I'm a researcher storyteller? And she went, <laughs> there's no such thing. <laughs> All right. Now, interesting thing, if you watch that is, you know, she's done, you know, done all this research and study, and she comes up with these conclusions that we could get out of the Bible anyway. But it's just fascinating. She's wonderful to listen to. I just noticed there's a, there's a, uh, on YouTube, uh, I call it a sermon. She spoke at the Washington Cathedral in January. So, anyway, here's a quote from something she's written or said. We are those people. What people? <laughs> We are one, one paycheck, one divorce, one drug-addicted kid, one mental health diagnosis, one serious illness, one sexual assault, one drinking binge, one night of unprotected sex, one affair from being those people. Those people. The ones who we don't trust. The ones that we pity. The ones we don't let our children play with. The ones bad things happen to. The ones we don't want living next door. We are those people. We're the people that yell at the kids in the van on the way to church. Uh, my kids are grown now, but I've been there, done that, right? Some of you are there. We're the people that make up these rules, like I mentioned about, and we feel good about ourselves because, hey, I don't drink alcohol, <laughs> even though the Bible doesn't tell me I don't, shouldn't do it, right? Rules we've made up that aren't even in the Bible. Uh, we are in greatest society, greatest debt of any society, trying to impress people. We get on social media and try and get people to think our lives are better than they are. <clears throat> Let me just ask you, are any of us deserving of God's grace and mercy? Simon or the prostitute? Or you or I? So what do we do with this brokenness? What do we do with it? Next slide. <laughs> what do we do with it? What do we do? Well, here's the good news. God makes the broken whole through Jesus Christ. Well, Isaiah was a prophet 700 years before Jesus, and he was writing something that was going to be talking about Jesus, talking about the Messiah, and he so much, somewhat describes uh, how this happens. He said, it was our weaknesses he carried, our brokenness, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, or my sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And all of us like sheep have strayed away. We're all broken. That's what that says, right? We all left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him, meaning Jesus, the sins of us all. So you are made whole because he was broken. How fascinating is that? Now, we don't, I try, uh, try to think of an example of brokenness that was, that was good, and I'm not a horse person, <laughs> but the best I can understand, and I saw some of these wild horses in the, on, the, uh, on the beach in North Carolina. A wild horse, you can't ride. You can't get near it. They run away. Right? So what, what, many people do is they break the horse's will without breaking the horse's spirit. And in that case, then you can ride the horse, correct? And then 
the horse becomes uh, all it was meant to be. Uh, we can see God's beauty and, and power in the horse once the horse has been broken. Now, Jeremiah gives us another example. Uh, and some of you do pottery, you would understand this better than me, but I think it's a neat illustration. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He was a prophet after Isaiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. How many of you have done pottery? How many of you have done that, spinning that thing around? Not too many of you, but we've seen it done, right? So he did as he told me, uh, so Jeremiah did, and he found the potter working at his wheel, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he was turning it and forming it, and it was, it was messed up somehow, right? So what did the guy do? So he crushed it back into a lump and started over again. Then the Lord said to me in this message, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay? So none of us have turned out like we wanted. I hadn't been the father that I wished I was. I hadn't been the husband I wished I was. I certainly haven't been the Jesus follower I wished I was. So none of us turned out right, perfectly, have we? We can pretend. We're good at pretending. But we're all broken. It's interesting, about 500 years ago in Japan, they developed this ceramic uh, style called kintsugi. <laughs> I think I said that right. Anyway, you can look it up or Google it, whatever. Uh, so when a piece of pottery got broken, what do you usually do if you break a piece of pottery? Well, you either throw it out or if it's not too bad, you kind of glue it together and kind of turn it around so nobody can see it, right? <clears throat> but what they decided to do was accentuate the breaks. In fact, they often put gold in the break and the, the result was these, this pottery was more expensive or more valuable than just the regular pot would be. In fact, some, some distributors would get accused of breaking them on purpose and, and then putting them back together just because they would be worth more. And I thought that's a beautiful example of what God does for us, right? We're broken, yet through Jesus, we become more valuable than before. I think that's on the outline. At least it's on the screen. The very thing you wish you were not true about you, if you let me, can be turned into something beautiful, more valuable than before. Jesus told him, let your light shine before men. What we usually think about that is we've got to have it all together, right? We see how great Christian life is. But I've shared this with you before. The greatest, we call it testimony, the way you can show your light before other people is when your life is falling apart, when you're struggling, when you're having problems. And the difference it makes for you in that situation as opposed to somebody without Jesus. So let me go back to that question I asked earlier. <laughs> Who would you rather be in the story? See, God doesn't work around our brokenness. Next slide, please. He works through our brokenness. So the folks are going to come up and lead us in a song. You all should have a glow stick, right? And here's what I'd like you to do. If you're willing to stop pretending, if you're willing to acknowledge your brokenness, if you're willing to let Jesus uh, put you back together, make you more valuable, while they're singing the song, if you want to sing along, you can uh, or not, sometime during this song, I would like you to take your glow stick and break it because that's the way the light shines, right? No glow stick. It's when you break it. And then... Uh, as always, you're, you're welcome to, to join us here. Uh, we are a broken church. 
because we're made up of broken people. So let me pray for you and uh, that leads us in our final song. Uh, Father God, thank you. Thank you that you're God that makes broken things beautiful. How awesome is that? We think of ourselves as less valuable when we're broken, when we're struggling, when we've messed up. But you, God, see us as, as an opportunity to put us to back together even better than we were before, to put a, have the opportunity to let our, our, our light shine. And uh, I'd like to pray for anyone here this morning, God, that's not a Jesus follower. We're delighted that they're here. But our desire is obviously that they would step across that line. And maybe this is what's been holding them back. They think they're too broken. And God, help them to understand that that's exactly who needs to come to Jesus. That's exactly who Jesus wants to put back together. He delights in making broken things beautiful. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy to all of us. None of us deserve it. Those of us who are Jesus followers, we thank you that you've made us valuable. In Jesus' name, amen.